0: Do you want to reach the people that you love most with the good news of God's grace? Join author and international evangelist Sammy Tippett as he interviews Christian leaders who will ignite your passion to bring others to Christ.
1: I want to greet you and welcome you to this podcast. Actually, we're going to do this one for two podcasts, Ignite Your Faith and Ignite Your Passion. Uh, really, the two go together. One is about revival, and one is about evangelism. And and because of who I'm interviewing and the way we're doing it today, we're, we're, we're going to bring these for, for both of those podcasts, and also for those of you who are on Facebook, you'll be able to receive this. And so I know that you're going to be blessed today. I, I hope that you'll just listen closely, because I believe the Lord wants to stir something in all of our hearts that will renew our hearts, renew our faith, renew our walk with God and and set our hearts aflame to reach other people for Jesus Christ. We have a friend of mine, Phil Glisson, who is an evangelist in Tennessee. And Phil, welcome. We appreciate Thank you Sammy. being here. And uh, just I'm so excited about uh, hearing what you've got to say. We have some things in common, but I want uh, before I get into some of that, I just want to First of all, let people know who you are. Why don't you tell us, first of all, how did you come to Christ and, and your background? I know your father was a pastor. Tell us a little bit about your background and, and, and how you came to the Lord.
0: My father was a pastor here in Memphis, in fact, his last church for almost 36 years. And so I basically grew up here in Memphis in this church he pastored. We, were, we came here in 1956, and I was four years of age. But as a boy, I remember Sammy going to a store and stealing something. Hmm. And God used that to show me I was a sinner. I had broken one of the Ten Commandments, and I really felt the pang of guilt on my life. And God used that to get my attention and make me start feeling that emptiness inside as a result of breaking his law. And I approached my father. mother one Saturday, and I said, I've got something wrong with me, and I I need something, (laughs) and I I knew it had to do with Jesus and the Bible and Christ and the church and all of that, and so my dad sat down that Saturday night and explained the gospel to me, and I really understood that. I think I had a a heightened awareness of sin because of that theft, and I realized that I was a lost sinner in need of a savior, And, and Sammy, I did not understand all the theological ramifications of that decision, there's one thing I did understand that I was surrendering my life to Christ, trusting Him, receiving Him, and I was going to follow Him the rest of my life. And that's one thing that I do remember.
1: Amen. That, that's great. You know what? Um, if I have one regret in my life, it's that I did not come to Christ earlier. Uh, I wish I would have known Christ when I was in high school because once I got away, I, I, I was a, a student, a freshman at LSU when I came to know Christ. and and all of my friends, we all kind of scattered and gone different directions. And, and so, you know, I, I wish I would have been able to, to, to share Christ with them. Sure. You, you were uh, an evangelist. Uh, you uh, loved
0: to share Christ with others. How did you get involved in evangelism? Well, Sammy, when I was a teenager, the Lord called me to preach. And the way he did that was a young man went forward in our church to surrender to the ministry. And I remember after that service was over asking my dad, I said, Dad, exactly what was he doing? And he explained to me how God calls people to preach or sing or whatever. And the Lord began just to deal with me, to put that burden on my heart, that conviction that I needed to surrender to the ministry. And so I did. Well, I didn't think anything about it. That was, I was 12 years old then. I had been saved just a few years earlier. But I went through my teenage years. I sought to live for the Lord in junior high and high school. But when I got to be 18 and was about to go to a Christian college, my dad said, it's time for you to preach your first sermon. And so I did. And it was right after a revival had hit our church because of the Jesus movement that that swept into America about that same time in 1970. And my dad fanned the flames for that movement. He welcomed it with open arms as a pastor. We had a bunch of young people and others rushing to our church, receiving Christ, getting on fire for the Lord, and so and that that sort of was kicked off by a great revival we had with an evangelist. And and but about a month after that, before I went to college, my dad said, It's time for you to preach. And so I got up and preached and God bless that service, and a lot of people got saved, and it was awesome. But you know, as I got into college, that was during the time when churches were wanting youth revival teams to come and hold a weekend youth revival in their church. And it Consisted of a preacher and a singer and somebody to work with the youth. Well, I started volunteering for the youth revival teams like all the other preacher boys at, at the school. Well, to make a long story short, all the other guys eventually got called to pastor churches. No church ever called me to come <laughs> pastor them. So here I am these many years later still doing what God's called me to do. And, and of course, he opened the doors all those years yeah. for me to go.
1: Well, I, 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 I'm so excited. You know, we have very similar uh, stories in the fact that, you know, when you were 18, you know, and the Jesus movement came through your church, I he was did. 18. I'm five years older than you, but so, wow. I, but I was 18 and, and uh, just at LSU, freshman at LSU. And uh, it, at that time, it wasn't known at the as the Jesus movement. It was just really beginning and God, that's when God uh, really got a hold of my heart, and it was yes. in a similar type of uh, what they call a, a youth revival uh, and, and, and God was just doing something among young people he during was. that particular time. Uh, you, you came to Christ what you know there, there was a, a, a move of god 's spirit there was a revival that came across our nation among the young people. Now, yes. uh, I, I saw some things, and I have a perspective on that, but i 'd love to hear your perspective. On, on some of the things that you saw happening uh, during the Jesus movement that that you think are applicable
0: today? Well, you know, Sammy, most people who lived during that era remember that the 60s, the turbulence of the 60s, spawned a lot of this unrest among people. We had assassinations of political figures, the Vietnam War was raging, the campus protests were going on, the the students were rioting and so forth. And, and a lot of people were beginning to realize there's something wrong with America now. We need God to do something. Our nation is falling apart. And I think among the older young people, the older teenagers and the, those in their early to mid-20s, they begin to see all of this happening. They begin to see the excesses that were taking place among some of their peers with the drugs and the sex and all of that and And you got to remember at that time, and of course, you do remember, but I'm speaking to those who are listening to us. We must remember at that time most Americans had some kind of Christian culture or heritage, in other words, the gospel was not foreign to people like it is today, and so that that was God was able to use that to help people to stop and realize you know something's going on here, and we're getting away from our roots and and we need God, and so the Lord saw that, of course, and people began to cry out in prayer to God to move and and He sent that fresh wave in the in the church, and then it, of course, it spilled out of the church into parachurch organizations and and even on colleges and other places, the coffee houses and so forth, and all that was going on all over america and you know the thing about it was Sammy, that it was spontaneous, it was breaking out everywhere; you could not trace it to a particular place, yeah. a particular program or a particular person and God was getting the glory. And the yeah. churches that welcomed that, like my dad's church here in Memphis, the churches that welcomed that, God knew that, of course. And the young people began to flock in. He began to send them in. And of course, as they came in, they began to get excited and share their faith with others at school and in where they work and in the neighborhood and so forth. And, and it just grew from there. And so I, I think, first of all, and first and foremost, we've got to come back to that realization that if God is going to do something powerful like that again, maybe in a different way, but yet still as powerful, we must desire that He get the glory for it, that no man and no program and no place can take the credit.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, it was in 1970, February 1970, where actually our ministry was thrust into uh, more of a national type thing. And it was, it took place at a little church, a little Baptist church in Monroe, Louisiana, where pastor LL L. Morris, who had a burden for young people. And he began to pray and ask God to to do a work. He asked me to come and preach. I did. And that little meeting that started with 25 people just blew up. Uh, and we ended up in the civic center in Monroe, wow. Louisiana, and we had, you know, hundreds and in, 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 I think I could say thousands of people come to Christ during that time. It was just a great move of the Spirit of God. But at the very moment that that was happening, totally non-related, completely. Pastor Morris didn't know anything about this, totally non-related. A little Methodist college in Wilmore, Kentucky called Asbury, Yes, there were students who had been praying and and they had a chapel service and that chapel service went from uh a uh, 45 minute service to 7 days and 7 nights without stop yes. and 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 god just came and moved in w- with what what you're saying no t- totally non-orchestrated had nothing right. to do e- with each other it was just god uh moving in the hearts of his people and and so i one of the things I think uh, that what what I'm hearing you say, and, and 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 go a little further with this, but one of the things I'm hearing you say is that that we need to pray and seek God for His glory, and not for the uh, for the building of His kingdom, not for some empire of an evangelist or a church or a denomination, but we need to seek His glory and His honor. Am, am, am I am I
0: hearing right what you're yes, saying? Same- I think even back then, we began to see that churches doing things their way, or even trying to do things God's way, but without his power, maybe not realizing there was more to it than they than they knew. I don't know. But I, I know in the 60s, churches were declining in America. Yeah, There were still a lot of strong churches. There were still a lot of churches that were full, but churches, many churches were going backwards in the 1960s. And I remember, and and as a Senior in high school in 1970, well, 69 to 70, getting together with a few of the youth in our youth group, most of them were my age or slightly younger. We be, we were seeing what was happening in our youth group, how young people would get out of high school and drop out. And we were seeing that with those ahead of us and how that many of them really did not live as close to the Lord during the week as they made me professed to do on Sunday. And And so we began to pray, God, do something in our church. Do something in our youth group. And one thing we all determined, we determined once we graduated from high school, we were not going to drop out of church. We were not going to go our own way and do our own thing. We were going to stay involved in the youth group and seek to be leaders as college students, to seek to be leaders for the high schoolers and the junior high schoolers, the middle schoolers below us coming up. And we were going to set the way and set the example for them. And and God blessed that and used that because the younger people who were coming to Christ during the Jesus movement, and even the older ones, they needed mentors. They right. needed people to hang around. And and that's one of the things back then. We hung around a lot together at church and away from church so the people could sort of catch what we had. You know, you've heard it and others have heard it. Christianity is more caught than taught. Well, of course, both are needed, but today the, with the way many churches plan their, their church activities and their programs, they're not together enough for this to be caught. (laughs) See, I remembered, Sammy and you do too, I remember these great services in revival meetings where I would be leading or in my home church. When Sunday morning was over, we couldn't wait to get back on Sunday night. And when Sunday night was over, we couldn't wait to get back for outreach on Tuesday night. When that was over, we couldn't wait to get back for Wednesday night. When Wednesday night was over, we couldn't wait to get back for Friday or Saturday. When we were doing something, we just loved to hang out together and do things together. We would even go flash mob. That We were ahead of our times. We would go to streets and dairy bars and things where teenagers were hanging out and sitting in their cars, and we would flash mob the area and share the gospel, and, and, and was, it was wonderful. And, and, again, I'm not saying that, that what God does today will be exactly like that because I know restaurants don't allow teenagers to hang around in the parking lot like they used to. But the thing is, though, we, we, there's nothing that takes the place of time spent together, a time mentoring one another, time encouraging one another, and serving and doing together, witnessing together, going out together. There's just something about doing it together that emboldens you, it empowers you, and others see that and and it, and it makes them see God's at work in a church or in a youth group or in a college group or whatever, and it makes them want to be a part of something like that, where they can see people love each other, they care for each other, and they're excited about their faith. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's a way of life.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, I think that it can be done today. Uh, in fact, in other places outside the U.S., it, it is. I'm going to uh, Brazil uh, next month, and they have what they call a multiplying church movement. Right. And it's a pretty interesting thing that they're doing. They're, they, everything's built around small group discipleship. Right. And, but the discipleship is evangelistic as well. It's not just sure. helping people grow, but it's also reaching out to others. But the way they make it evangelistic, but that what they do is they go and they have their small groups, not at the church house, but they go to the parks, mm-hmm. they go to the coffee shops, they go out and and they have they have their little bible studies and their times of discipleship and people walking by and comes hey what you guys doing and they want to yeah. join us you know and other,
0: others <laughs> sing it yes
1: yeah and and then they share the gospel with them and it, you know it's just a matter it, there's there's an old principle of, of I think of evangelism that simply says you go to where the people are yes and, uh, and 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 that was one of the things that I saw in the Jesus movement that uh, that I think is a principle that needs to be applied today. Uh, you know, it, it may look different from it looked back then, but the principle is the same. And that is to get out among the people and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't just, you know, I, I think one of the things that's happened and it's, um, and I'm not saying good or bad or anything else, but, you know, for instance, my kids went to Christian schools, and, and so we've kind of, abs- now we have Christian radio and Christian television, and I'm not saying those things are bad or those things shouldn't be, but we sort of segmented to where there's no longer us getting out with an intentional purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people who are not Christians,
0: That's and, correct, Sammy. Mm-hmm.
1: you know, and so somehow we, we've got I, that, but that was one of the things that I saw. So prayer, how, how. Important was prayer and what you saw during the days that that God was working there in Memphis when you were uh, a a young Two ways.
0: Planned prayer meetings in the church and away from the church, in homes, in wherever. Also spontaneous prayer meetings. Both. And God looked down and saw these people are eager. These people are seeking. I know, for example, when the services would be over, the my father at our home church here and this was going on in other churches too don't misunderstand me anybody who's listening this was this was breaking out all over america what i'm telling you that happened in my home church was happening at a lot of places but for example when the services would be over the people the younger people even some of the older people would middle aged people would want to hang around and just talk and fellowship and pray and and, and care for each other and and that would go on for two or three hours when the service ended. In fact, my father had a policy when he hired a lockup guy to open and lock up the church. He said, do, do not turn out the lights on anybody if they're in the auditorium or anywhere in the building. He said, you let them stay and hang around as long as they want to and fellowship and pray, and when they're all gone, then you turn out the lights and lock up and leave. He said, the longer they stay, the more money you're going to make because we paid <laughs> it by the hour. <laughs> but you see, it was, it was prayer. It was Organized and spontaneous and, and it wasn't a burden. Again, when you're with your when you're with friends, you yeah. know, you're attracted to these things, whether it's yeah. prayer or outreach or Bible study. We need to get back to where we look upon our fellow Christians as our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, our family. It's not a burden to hang around these people, or to be together with yeah. them. I think so many people today they think, well, I got to go to church, you know yeah. what what kind of attitude is that? We get to go and hang out with friends, yeah, My yeah. you know what I'm saying, yeah well you was, know when, when i when was, I became a christian i of course
1: I was from a non christian background didn't you know i I wasn't right. used to the church stuff you know i, I, I but in, in that sense, I was sort of from the opposite background from you, but I came to know Christ and the church it was a large church, great church still is a great church uh but it had a prayer room, which, uh, we had that too. you know, and, and, and that prayer room, but it wasn't being used at the time. And so I, I here I was the new guy on the block, you know, and a new kid uh, at the church. And I said, Hey, there's a prayer room here. Let's start meeting before church starts on Sunday morning and praying for our pastor. And we, you know, when the young people started gathering in that room and we would have these prayer meetings for our pastor. And, uh, and, and then there were a couple of my friends and I we started meeting at the state capitol building in Baton Rouge uh, early in the morning every morning to pray and seek God and those times were so precious in fact yes. when I when I visit Baton Rouge and go back home to Baton Rouge I like to go by the state capitol and go to that same spot because it just uh, it it just brings back there's a there's still yes. that aroma Right. Of, of the presence of the Lord, there you know, and it's 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 great. So prayer, you, get, getting out among people, uh, having that kind of intimate fellowship. What else? What were some of the other characteristics that you think w- are important for us today?
0: All right, I think what I'm going to call trot line fishing. In other words, many hooks in the water. This is something that that churches did back then without even thinking about it. I mean, they didn't realize it was trotline fishing, and but it was. And this is something that still works. In other words, letting people get involved in outreach ministries and projects based on things they are comfortable with, things they like to do, things they enjoy. And and you add it all up over a year, a little hook here and a little hook there, reaching a fish here and a reaching a fish there. Of course, that's a soul, you know, a person. Right. It adds up. Many things. God blesses outreach events, inreach events. So many churches, they, they simplify too much where they do not give their people the opportunity to use their spiritual gifts in outreach and discipleship. They put all their eggs in one basket, so to speak, but there's still a place for revivals. I mean, you and I know that. I, yes. I see great success with the revivals and I'm still privileged to preaching. God has been good to me to allow me to be busy over the years. But certainly other kinds of outreach events, like Christian movie nights and and just so many things that churches can do. We don't need to forget that every soul is important. And just because an event maybe does not draw as big a crowd as we would like for it to, if God is blessing it and people are being reached or discipled, why stop it? As long as there's a lay person in the church who has a burden for it. Like the bus ministry, so many churches got out of the bus ministry because the buses weren't full anymore. But so what if there's just half full or a third full? That's still some kids getting on the bus. And as long as you've got people willing to go, why not let them go? My father always said, don't pull any hook out of the water. Let it die a natural death if it's going to die. But he kept putting more hooks in the water. I had a pastor tell me a few years ago right here in Memphis. He said he challenged his people. He said, what are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your hobbies? What do you like to do? Come and talk to me about it. Let's pray and see if God can turn that as, in, into an outreach event. And he said his members started coming to him. And he said he had a couple of old ladies he said, you know, pastor, we like to bake and cook pies and cakes and so forth. And we would like to start a ministry to those who have lost a loved one. We will take them a pie or a cake. We'll get their name from the newspaper, wherever. We'll take them a pie or a cake to their home. And we'll present that to them in the name of Jesus and our church and invite them. And, and then he said he had a couple of guys come to him who had white collar jobs. And they said, pastor, we like to do something with our hands just sort of as a diversion from our white-collar jobs, and we would like to start a ministry to repair, do light repair work and changing oil and so forth for widows and single ladies in our neighborhood. And he had others to come to him with other things they liked to do, and he said they started ministries. And he said as a result of that, of all those ministries that they started, their church began to grow. Not everybody responded, of course, to the outreach that his members were doing through these things they started, but he said some did. Yeah. We don't need to forget that. There there are some who will respond to yeah. these ministries. You and I were talking earlier about how that that sometimes people forget that, that there's a remnant still among the saved who will go with God, but there's a remnant among the unchurched and the lost who will respond to our gospel. You know, most people complain about telemarketers, and I can I can understand they can get on your nerves at times, but I You know, these people need the gospel. And you know what? Some are willing to listen to you. Mm -hmm. Others will not listen. They'll hang up right away so they can move on. But some will listen to you share the gospel. And so we don't need to forget the value of one soul. Just because an event cannot reach the masses, masses does not mean it's not important. If it can reach one or a few, let's do it. Let's have many hooks in the water. And again, as each hook reaches one or two or a few, that, that can add up over a year's time.
1: Yeah, I, and you know, I I think that uh, what you were talking about, some of the things you just mentioned, you know, can be and are being done today. I have yes. a, I, I know a gentleman who um, went through a job situation, and uh, and and so he was out of work, and uh, as a result, a, a little church. He's a godly man, a, a small rural church. Asked him to come and be their pastor, and so he went there. And he said, you know, what do I do? He hadn't pastored and uh, before, and he's, so he, he went there. And so he and his wife just started baking loaves of bread and going to And, and this little church had gone down. It was about to close the doors. And uh, it, he just started going to homes and saying, hey, I'm the new pastor in the area, and I've got my wife, and I just want to bring you a loaf of bread in the name of Jesus and just yeah. say, God bless you, and we love you. They ended up within about six months, leading about 26 people to Christ and baptizing them, the church took off. And, and when I saw him, he was so excited. He said, Sammy, I've never done anything like this. You know, this is so exciting and, and the church is filled and, and God is blessing. But it, it just started with him, t- you know, baking a yes. loaf of bread, his wife, baking a loaf of bread and, and the two of them going out into the community and in the name of Jesus, just knocking on door and say, hey, I'm the new guy in town or in the area want to give you a loaf of bread in the name of Jesus. And, and that opened up conversations and, and he just started sharing the gospel. So, I, you know, we, we just need to begin to think, I think we've put thinking, yes. We're talking about, uh, the, the, the trot lines, you know, thinking about how can we, what is it that we can do to, to, to reach out to people and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Every person ought to be a witness for Jesus.
0: Amen. You know, one of the things this pastor shared with me, Sammy, that I thought was rather hilarious, he had a couple of young guys in his church in their early to mid-20s who said they are involved in some kind of competitive sport. I think it's some kind of wrestling or boxing or something. Well, anyway, I, I don't know what it is, but he said that Whoever won the match would get the mic for a few minutes and could share with the whole stadium whatever they wanted to say. So he said he had these guys come to him and said, Pastor, we want to start training at the church and going and entering these competitions and winning. And then we we will have the mic to share the gospel for about five minutes to the whole audience. And the pastor said that's been very effective. Wow. People from those arenas visiting their church and even getting saved because they saw the boldness of those guys who were skilled in that athletic competition, but yet had the courage to speak up for Christ when they got that mic for a few minutes before everything was over.
1: Yeah. You know, I was in uh, Sicily uh, back in December and early January ministering, and there was a pastor there, of course, in Sicily, Italy, the high unemployment rate. And a pastor I was with, we were having dinner, and his, his oldest son, I asked him, I said, what do you do? And he said, well, you know, there's no jobs around here, and you can't get work. And he says, right now I'm not doing anything. I'm looking. And I said, well, I said, what do you do with your time? And he said, he says, I, I, I draw, uh, I, I, I do drawings. I do artwork. I said, oh, really? What kind of drawings? And he said, he draws superheroes. I said, really? And he, I said, can I see him? And I'm telling you, this kid is talented. I mean, he could draw. And I said, well, you know, you know what you ought to do? He said, what's that? I said, you ought to draw a superhero coming to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and take your talent and use it for the glory of God. Right. And he said, ah. he says, Oh, that's great. And so just not too long ago, a, a couple of weeks ago, he sent me a picture of one of the superheroes bowing at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> that that's right. Fantastic. But but what we need to do is get people thinking, hey, God's given me a talent. God's he given me ability. I want to use it for his glory right not not just to make money not just to for my own thing, but for his glory, if we can get people d- to doing that and and get their eyes focused upward, get their eyes focused outward yes well, uh, you know and, and that's revival that's where we started in this conversation that's what revival is is we start off with the glory of God, not not the glory of man, but the glory of god and uh and, and that's where we need to bring it back to. Tell me, is there anything that you would want people to know before we wrap this thing up that, that you feel is on your heart, that that the person watching this on Facebook, listening to this on the podcast, what is it that you would want to leave with them that you
0: want them to know? Well, I just want everybody to know, including myself, that we need to be genuine before the Lord 24-7, seven days a week. We don't need to sit around and bemoan the culture and not try to do anything about it. We need to be active in our own local churches as evangelists and other lay leaders and so forth and, and preachers. Uh, well, of course, preachers are active, but I'm just saying we need to be practicing what we preach. I, I seek to do that. I, I'm not going to stand up, stand up and tell somebody else to pray if I'm not willing to pray or, or do outreach if I'm not willing to do it. You know, sometimes we can get so discouraged by this culture. If we're not careful, we can have days and weeks go by and we've done very little, very little or nothing for God and for outreach and so forth. So I'm actively passing out the gospel in my neighborhood. I'm getting involved in neighborhood watch and so forth. I'm, I'm doing all I can as an evangelist out of the pulpit to yeah. make sure I'm sharing the gospel and meeting people and getting to know people and praying for people and so forth, because it, it's just it, each individual. We've got to realize we're, we are important in the kingdom of God. We are important to our local church. And we just can't sit around and wait for some other big opportunity to come and miss the small opportunities that are around us every day to share the gospel. I think that small
1: opportunity is is the key to it all. Uh, you know, Zechariah said, "Who has despised the day of small things?" It's the yes. day of small things. God will take and use. Thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate you sharing. Would you would you just pray for the people who are listening? who are watching this right now, would you just pray for God to send revival to hearts that that God would just give us that passion to reach others for Christ? Would you pray for us?
0: Sure. Lord, we know that as we think back on times past that often you moved in revival after a turbulent period in history and in society. We know the 60s were very, very difficult in America, and then you sprang forth with a new fresh move of your spirit. And Lord, we know right now We live in a very difficult time in America. Our culture seemingly is disintegrating before our very eyes. And, Lord, we feel like we're at a prime time for you to move again. And so, Lord, please do it. Please send your Holy Spirit, Lord, on this nation, on your churches, on your Christians, Lord. And, And, Lord, in the meantime, as we're waiting for that mighty move of God, please keep us motivated to get out of here and do what we're called to do. Whether we see great revival in America or not, we're still called to share the gospel. We're still called to do the things that you've gifted us to do. And so, Lord, raise up a new generation who will use the gifts and the talents and even the hobbies that you've given them as points of contact and points of outreach with this lost and dying culture. Lord, thank you for Sammy. Thank you for how you have used him over the years. Keep your hand upon him and his ministry, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Phil. And thank you for listening and those of you who
1: have tuned into this. And we we just pray that God would bless you, that God would use you. And remember, seek him and do what he did, and that is he went out to seek and save that which was lost. God bless you all, and we look forward to next week. We hope you've been encouraged. If you'd like to hear more, visit
0: sammitippett.org. There you'll hear podcasts, watch daily devotionals, and obtain books by Sammy that will ignite your faith, your love of family, and a passion to reach others.